Man, what a great day so far. Thank you again for being here. And I bet you wish you could preach after that choir song. But I get to. Uh, find in your Bibles the book of 1 Corinthians. It's in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat in front of you. You can grab it and take it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Today is game day. And I'm beginning a brand new series entitled, Get in the Game. Get in the Game. And here on game day, we want to welcome you. We want to thank you for being here. We are so very grateful for the coaches, the players, the team. Uh, we're so very grateful for the band and so many uh, that are here as we worship the Lord together today. Thank you for being here to participate in game day uh, with us. And so thanks, huge thanks to Daryl McElwain as he leads Flint River FCA and so many on his staff. And what an awesome day. What an incredible time we can come together and no matter what color you wear or what team you're on, we can be on the same team right here on Sunday mornings as we worship and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as I begin this series, I thought about what does it mean to get in the game? What does it mean to be a part of something bigger than myself? What's it mean to, to be an athlete that strives for greatness, to, to be a person that wants to do my very best? I began to think about what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, as he gives an example, as he gives an idea about what it means to be an athlete that strives for greatness. Now, I'm going to be brief this morning because I know we've got a lunch after this, and the only thing that stands between you and fried chicken is me, okay? So we're going to, we're going to be quick, but we're going to be... We're going to be specific, we're going to be detailed, and this is going to be important. All right, let's begin reading the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable so I don't run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Get in the game. Be a part of what God is doing. There are many things that I love about life, all right? I mean, I love my wife and I love my family. I love my house. I love my, my truck. I love uh, ice cream. I, I, do you know that like today I found out they make Reese's cups with Reese's pieces inside the Reese's cups? Have you seen that already? And they're enormous and they're delicious, you know, and, and birthday cake ice cream. I love birthday cake ice cream and Krispy Kreme donuts, proof of the existence of God and that he loves us. You know what I'm talking about? Like there's so many things I love about life. But two of the things I love, I love Jesus and I love sports. And I feel like today, man, it just kind of brings it all together. I, I love this day as we can gather together and talk about what it means to, to get in the game, to be a part of what God would have us to do. We, we understand church, church is, is, is about so much more than sports, but sports provides us a metaphor for life. We learn so much when we are involved in athletics. We learn so much when we're involved in band. We learn so much when we're involved in team sports because the teams, the camaraderie, the goals, everything that, that comes together, everybody has a different part to play, but if you do your job and your person next to you does their job, you can accomplish your goal. Everybody may play a different instrument and even different notes that harmonize together, but when it all comes together, man, it sounds great. And so what a metaphor for life, how we're supposed to work together, doing different goals, different roles, different responsibilities to accomplish the same thing that God has in store for us. And here in this text, Next, we're challenged to get in the game to be a part of what God has for us 
And to those of you who are athletes, I want to challenge you to get in church, to get in the Word of God, right? To be a part of FCA, your huddles every, every week at school, to learn about Jesus. And to our church, I want to challenge you to be a part of what God is doing and don't just sit on the sidelines, but to get in the game and to be a part of what God's called you to do. So there are a few things I notice right here. Three simple things real quick in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. First of all, I notice there's an analogy here about the game. I notice the game. He says in verse 24 and verse 26, he describes an athletic contact, a contest. Now, I love the Bible. And sometimes preachers have a tendency to complicate things that are simple, right? But really what we ought to do is simplify things that are complicated. And Paul here does just that. He simplifies life. He simplifies walking with God. He simplifies what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And he uses a sports analogy. Man, that's something that I can get. That's something I can understand. And I love how practical this is. Sometimes I use sports analogies and I may use them too much. But if I use a sports analogy church, you just know I'm being biblical, okay? Because it's in the Word of God. Here he talks about, uh, uh, he's not talking about football, he's not talking about baseball, he's not talking about soccer, he's not talking about basketball, but, but we do have a cross-country crew here, right? So what does he talk about? He talks about a race. He says, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? And so he, wa- he wants to compare living for God, trusting in Jesus and this life to a race. But it's interesting, this life can be compared to this kind of competition. We're all part of the human race, but sometimes we get caught up in the rat race if we're not careful. But Paul wants us to understand life is a marathon, not a sprint. We have to keep running if we're going to win. He says, don't you know that all the runners run in the race, but only the one that wins gets a prize? Now, he's, he's comparing this to our spiritual lives. We have to run with patience. We have to run with endurance. We have to run with faith. Sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we experience pain. Sometimes we don't want to go on, but we have to continue if we want to win. Now, I'll be honest this morning. I do not like to run. I don't like to run. You know this about me, church. You know this about me. I do not like to run. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 1 says, The wicked run when nobody is chasing them. (laughs) It's in the Bible, people. Like, I mean, seriously. The wicked run when no one is chasing them. And so I know it's a great way to get in shape, and I'm just teasing you cross-country folks, but, but I hate it. I remember conditioning... I played football, I played baseball, I wrestled in high school. I thought I was in really good shape until I wrestled. And man, we had to run until we dropped. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. I I was a a pitcher on the baseball team, and so they run the pitchers more. I played catcher as well. I was a back, I was a quarterback for the high school football team. You run your backs, everybody's got to be in shape. I hate to run. But I have lately taken up running just a little bit. My wife used to tell me, she probably ran like eight miles this morning with her crew at 5.15 in the morning. They have to wake Jesus up every time they go run. I mean, it's crazy. But, but I can remember her telling me, if you just get into if you just start running, you'll love it. You catch this bug. You just got to do it. It's just like, man, you, once, you, once you start running, you, you won't want to stop. You'll just keep going. You'll love it. And I'm here to say today, for the first time in my life, my wife was wrong. She was wrong. 
because I do not love it, but I do it in order to try my best to stay in shape. This is the analogy that he uses. He's talking about somebody, somebody running. Life is a marathon, running away to give glory and honor to God. But he doesn't just use that analogy. He uses the analogy of a boxer. Look what he says in verse 26. So I don't run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. I don't think we have any boxing teams here today. But he uses this analogy of somebody. He says, basically, I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm not just standing here, you know, bobbing and weaving. He said, I'm, I'm, at, I'm in a real fight. This is not just practice. This is the real thing. I'm not just doing this for show. Man, this is hand-to-hand combat. I'm in the fight of my life. And sometimes, listen carefully, if you want to live for God in this world, sometimes it's going to feel like a battle. Sometimes it's going to feel like a struggle. Sometimes it's going to be hand-to-hand combat, spiritually speaking, as we try to be the men and the women that God has called us to be. Man, he says, I'm fighting for my life. He wasn't just working up a sweat. He was engaging in a real battle. And I want you to understand this morning, you are running a race. Whether you know it or not, you're running a race. Are you running well? Whether you know it or not, you're fighting a battle. Are you fighting to win? Or are you just, you're just happy to get by, to settle, to be mediocre? You see... God has called us to walk with him faithfully and to give him the glory that he deserves. The game. Secondly, I want you to notice the grind. Oh, the grind. Now, now those of you that may not be in athletics, you think the grind is, is Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, right? We use that phrase to refer to our work week. You know, it's just, hey, man, those are the grindstone. It's the grind. We're just taking care of business, just doing what, what, what has to be done. But in athletics, the grind is something very different. We use this word to talk about what it means to prepare to compete. The grind is, is, is often what separates an athlete who is a mediocre athlete from an athlete that's great. One, one article said the grind is what often separates athletes who achieve their goals from those that don't. The typical reaction to the grind is to either ease up or give up. What's the grind? Man, it's waking up early and hitting the gym. It's going to practice. It's doing everything that you need to do in those moments to prepare for who you want to be on the field. It is giving everything you've got in the weight room, in the classroom, giving everything you've got in preparation so that when the day comes and you're nose to nose with somebody and you're face to face with your enemy, enemy, frenemy, you're ready. You're prepared. The grind is the price that you pay to achieve victory. And if you're not willing to pay the price, you won't know what victory feels like. It's the grind. It's the daily, every moment, discipline to be the best that you can be. Sometimes it is just a little bit more focus on the last part of your workout that makes the difference between success or the disappointment of defeat. Sometimes it is just a little more weight on the rack. Sometimes it is just a little bit more distance in the run. Sometimes it is just a little bit more practice, just a little bit more encouragement. I'm tired, but I'm pressing through. It's the grind. Did you know the Bible talks about the grind as well? It doesn't use the word, but Paul says here, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. That's 
The grind. If that's not the grind, I don't know what is. It's self-control. It's discipline. He goes on to say, I discipline my body and keep it under control. Some of your translations say, I buffet my body. And Baptists like to read that as I buffet my body, right? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about discipline. He's talking about faithfulness every single day. The grind spiritually, what does it look like? Man, it looks like I'm faithful to read my, my Bible. I'm faithful to spend time in prayer. I want to be part of a local church. I want to go to FCA throughout the week. I want to be part of that brotherhood. I want to follow Jesus faithfully. We know what happens when you're faced with temptation in life. Whether you win or lose determines is determined by how faithful you've been in preparation. That's a reality on the football field. That's a reality on the baseball field, basketball court, cross country, band. You, you name it. If you want to do what you want to do well, it takes preparation. And if I'm going to be the kind of person that I want to be for God, it doesn't just happen. You don't just wake up one morning and be a great ball player. It doesn't just happen. You don't wake up one morning and know how to play the trumpet. doesn't just happen. You don't wake up one morning and run a marathon. doesn't just happen. And you don't wake up one morning and look around and say, Wow, I'm godly now. How did that happen? It takes discipline. It takes effort. It takes self-control. It takes the grind. Being an athlete takes devotion and dedication. By the way, some of you want to be athletes at the next level. Guess what? You think you work hard now. If you go to a D1, D2, JUCO, whatever, and you want to play ball, they've got you from 5 a.m. in the morning to 10 p.m. at night. You are scheduled. Your whole life is scheduled. It's part of the process. It's the grind. you got to love it to be able to do it. You might not love everything about the grind. You might not love everything about the workout. You might not love everything about preparation, but you do it because you know a battle is coming and I want to win. Same thing's true spiritually. Every day we face battles and whether or not we win is determined by how we have prepared. How have we prepared? Don't expect to be godly by accident. So many of you made decisions at camp this past summer. Man, thank God for the decisions you made. But I want you to understand, being a Christian is not just one moment that happens. It is one moment that leads to a lifetime of moments, decisions, and faithfulness. We see the game, we see the grind, finally the goal. The goal. The latter part of verse 25, the latter part of verse 27. What is the goal? Now, I want to be honest this morning, and I, I understand when we talk about a sports program that we want to be good sports. We want to have great sportsmanship. We want to represent our school well. We want to build relationships. We want to establish brotherhood. All of these things, man, that's, that's absolutely important. But when it comes down to sports, for the most part, what do people think is the goal? The goal is to win. That's the goal. Now, there are many ways to get to that goal. There are right ways and there are wrong ways. There are many ways to accomplish that goal. 
And that goal of winning can create a culture of winning that, that ultimately you can do so many more things beyond that. But in the end, if you don't win, you're not going to have the opportunity to influence others. You're not going to have the opportunity to build a brotherhood. You're not going to have the opportunity because everyone gauges that as the measure by which we determine success. Well, Paul says here, only one receives the prize. He's describing the Olympic Games. They began in Greece. They were around when the Bible was written. And he says, run in such a way as to win. Don't you know that all the runners run in a race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way so that you will win. It's interesting, though, what he says, because he reminds us that in the Olympic Games, there's only one winner. But I want you to understand when it comes to this race that we're running for God, that's not what he means. He doesn't mean that only one person here can win. And he's, de he's describing this as an analogy. When they run, they run for a wreath. A crown that fades away. It doesn't last. But you, when you run your race for God, you run for a crown the Bible says, is imperishable. It never fades away. A contrast here of what we'll give up to succeed in life or on the field versus the most important thing in this world, a relationship with God. This is what lasts and this is what matters. This is what's most important. He talks about the prize and he says, I run in such a way so that I would not be disqualified. Interesting word, disapproved. You know, in the Olympic Games, thousands of years ago, there was an announcer, there was a herald, and he would stand up and he would begin to announce the names of those who were about to run this race or participate in, in the next activity. And he would announce all the names, and then at the very end, he would announce the names of those who'd been disqualified, who could not run. Do you imagine waiting to hear your name, and you didn't hear it, and you didn't hear it, and you heard it finally? when they announce the names of those who are disqualified. Paul says, I'm running in such a way so that I will not be disqualified. I want to run in such a way that I give honor and glory to God. I want to run in such a way that I can win this race. What does it mean to win the race as a believer? It means that I am walking in godliness and giving Him the glory. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. There are no perfect examples. Only Jesus. But it means we're walking steadily, faithfully with the Lord. I can remember it was about, I won't tell you how many years ago, but it was a long time ago. I was probably 10 or 11 years old. And with a group from Second Baptist Church, we went to the McConnell-Talbert Stadium for a competition. I think back then it may have been RAs, which was the boys' ministry. There were GAs, that was the girls' ministry. And RAs had a competition. It was an athletic competition. And as a 10-year-old boy who used to go on Friday nights to watch the teams play, back then, it's just basically like Warner Robinson Northside, and we'd fill the whole place up, right? And I can remember thinking as a 10-year-old, wow, I get to go on that same field where those guys play. And we went down, and there were all kinds of competitions. I can only remember two there were all kinds of different competitions happening. One, as a 10-year-old boy, I participated in the, the softball throw. I know you're impressed already. 
And the goal was, they give you a baseball, they give you a softball, and you would line up a certain spot on the, on the football field, and you would throw the softball as far as you could throw the softball. Simple, right? I remember, I won the softball throw. I got a little medal. Yeah, thanks, I can tell how proud you are of me. I got a medal. I don't know where the medal is today, but I, I got a medal. And then I can remember the next thing was the 100-yard dash. And I thought, there's a lot of kids out here. How are we going to do that? And we went through, and, and, you know, six or eight got to line up and run. And one that won that got to run with the next one that won the six or eight and ran in different heats. And I remember I just kept, I kept winning. I was pretty fast for a white boy, okay? I mean, I, I, kept, I kept winning. And finally we came to the very end in the final eight. And I thought, I'm going to win this thing. 100-yard dash. And so we all line up, and they say go, and I can remember the very end looking around, and I had crossed the finish line in first place. And I was like, yes, I get a medal. And then one of the organizers came to me and said, son, I'm sorry to tell you, you are disqualified. How could you tell a 10-year-old boy that, you know? (laughs) Scarred for life. He said, when you were running, your foot stepped on the line. And that immediately disqualifies you. So I didn't get first or second or eighth or anything. It's just done. Out. You know why? Because I didn't, I, I didn't stay in the lane where I was supposed to stay. I didn't run in the track where I was supposed to run. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. He was right. I remember stepping on the line. I just didn't think it was that big of a deal. It was a big deal. And, and so ultimately... What Paul is saying here is, you don't, you don't want to go through life and do so many things to get where you're supposed to be that one thing can mess it up. One decision can mess it up. Paul says, I teach, I preach in such a way so that I'm not disqualified. I want to live for God. I want to stay in the lane that God has assigned. I don't want to step out of bounds. I want to I want to be the kind of person that he's called me to be. The only way to do that is if we've got a relationship with God. If we know him, if we read and study the word, if we're a part of the body of Christ, those are absolutely fundamentally important things. What is our goal, man? We want to win. That's, that's great. There are bigger goals than that. And I, I believe we've got coaches in here who know and recognize there are bigger goals than that. I mean, think about it like this. What do we get if we win? Let's just say the biggest athletic competition we can imagine You're thinking Super Bowl or World Series, Stanley Cup, NBA title. What about the Olympics, right? What do you get if you're the best of the best? You get a gold medal. Did y'all see just this week, there's a kid named Clark Kent who broke one of Michael Phelps' swimming records, a 10-year-old. That's crazy. Nobody told him he was disqualified, right? He got to win. But what do you get when you win? In this life, the best thing that you can hope for is to be an Olympic athlete and earn a gold medal. That's great, right? What is gold in heaven? Pavement. The streets are paved with gold. Do you think that God is trying to tell us something? Do you think that He's trying to get the the, the thing that's most valued here? There's so much greater things to concern yourself with. 
I don't know where my medals are from the softball throw. But ultimately, I want to stand before Jesus one day and hear him say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm a big sports fan. And no offense to anyone else, because I love all kinds of sports, but it's just always been this way with me. Football has always been my favorite sport. If I could go out and play football again today, I would do it. Stephanie's like, do you regret playing football because your knees hurt and your joints hurt? And I said, no, I'd do it all over again today. I would. I love it. I love watching football. I love playing football. Have you ever heard anybody that says, do they describe football this way? Football is 22 people on the field who need rest and thousands of people in the stands watching who need exercise. Have you ever, <laughs> ever heard that described that way? That's a pretty good analogy, right? 22 people on the field who desperately need rest and thousands and thousands of people watching who need exercise. Did you know that that can be true in the church as well? A handful of folks who work hard and, man, they're in the game and they're all over the place getting stuff done and thousands of spectators sitting back saying, keep it up, good job. Don't like the dude in the striped shirt, but everything else will be all right. That's not the way God intends for church to be. It's not the way God intends the Christian life to be. And we've got to get in the game to be a part of what God has called us to do. Sadly, some people are content simply to remain spectators, to stay in the stands. But I want to challenge you, this series is going to challenge you to get in the game. Maybe you're on the outside looking in when it comes to church. You say, I don't know, I've never been part of a church, I'm not sure. Hey, let me encourage you, get in the game and find a great church to be a part of, a church that worships Jesus and preaches the Bible. Maybe you're on the outside looking in when it comes to the things of God, and you don't know what it means to have a relationship with God. I want you to know today, you can have a real, genuine relationship with the God of the universe, the one who created you, and everything around you. Maybe you're on the outside looking in when it comes to the things of the Bible, Read the Word of God. Find out how much God loves you and discover His incredible plan for your life. Step up and be a part of something that's bigger than you and bigger than me and bigger than all of us. When we get in the game, we understand that God has a purpose for us that's beyond anything we could ever imagine in this life. We are called to run the race. The author of Hebrews says, We run looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. And we run with a great cloud of witnesses, those that have gone before us, those that are in heaven now, and they're looking and they're cheering us on. They're saying, we did it, you can do it. You can run the race and you can win. Listen, it is worth it. All of eternity you will be able to say, it is worth it. He is worthy.